like those cool videos that David Mead is putting together for us? I do. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. Um, it's been an interesting series. What would Jesus tweet? This week's going to be the last week uh, in the series, and we're moving on to a new series next week. But um, I just want to encourage you, even this morning, you know, some people aren't big into tweeting and not into Facebook and not in, but the principles that we're talking about, if you've noticed over the series, um, apply regardless of whether you own a computer or not. So I want you to, even this morning, as we go through this sermon, I want you to be thinking about, God, how does this apply to my life? What are some ways that you can use me uh, this week, you know, uh, this month, my life, how can you use my life to impact those around me? Because that's what we're talking about. That's really what this series is all about. In John chapter 12, verse 26, it's whoever, whoever, it says, Whoever serves me must follow me. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. One of the things that our culture is completely consumed with is following other people. And in this age of Twitter, following people has basically become as easy as clicking a button. But some 2,000 years ago, that really wasn't the case. Um, it wasn't that simple. When Jesus was searching for his disciples, he just didn't go online and, and Google it to try to find his disciples. He had no blog page. He had no newsletter. He had no Facebook site where he could put up his latest you know, uh, thoughts and, and photos and, and updates to attract people. You know, one big thing today is if you can attract people to follow you. You know, how do I attract people to follow me? I can get more friends and I can get more people to like something that I'm doing. And a lot of it is, is, is really financially based now. Um, a lot of it is the more people you get to follow, the more people you get to like you, the more people, whatever, the more access you have to becoming more popular and maybe even making a business out of it. But that wasn't the case in Jesus time. He didn't have all these things going on. He didn't have a, a website or a Facebook site where millions of his followers could virtually come together and, and, and download his podcasts or or like something that he said, or comment on something that Jesus said, or a thought that Jesus had, or leave prayer requests, or whatever the case may be. You know, dear Jesus, if you could just pray for... He didn't have those kinds of things. That's not the way, that's not the time in which he lived. In his day, his bandwidth were the strength of his legs, and his sphere of influence was as large an area as his feet could travel and his voice could carry. Again, he didn't have all that we have today. His audience consisted of real people whom he connected with face to face. Not on Facebook and not, you know, FaceTime, but, but eye to eye, face to face. And I'm going to say this again so that no one kind of shuts me down right away. I don't think anything's wrong with FaceTime. I did it multiple times this week when we were at a conference um, back to Josh and to the family. So I think FaceTime's wonderful. But Jesus didn't have FaceTime, and he didn't get together with people like that. He got together with them face to face, interacted with them, touched their lives in a very unique way. He interacted on a, on a really intimate level with people. In a three-year ministry, Jesus attracted thousands of followers, many of whom have dropped, they dropped everything, their careers, 
their reputations, their families, to, to, to fiercely follow a man who offered them neither fame nor fortune. You know, it's funny, as, as I, as I, the older I get and I, I analyze life in general, but people especially, and I wonder sometimes why people follow a certain person. Why are people attracted and follow? I, yeah, this is, I follow this person or I, this is my mentor, whatever the case may be. And I think some of it, some of it, is because of what that other person can offer you. And I'm not just talking about their wisdom and their, you know, their discernment and their, and their knowledge. I'm talking about things that you can kind of hitch your wagon to their, you know, to their horses kind of deal and get pulled along. I watch people who connect with other people for that reason. And you look at Jesus Christ. And, you know, and many people follow Jesus Christ not because he could offer them in some way fame or fortune. Ravi Zacharias says that Christian celebrity is an oxymoron. Let me, let me, let me ask you something. 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago, pick a time, it didn't matter. What did they call a Christian celebrity? A martyr. That's exactly right. A Christian celebrity was someone who is dead. Okay, a martyr. You think of, think of all the disciples. You think of people who stood up for Jesus Christ during a time of Rome where they were burned and they were thrown to the lions and all kinds of things went on. Even today, more Christians are martyred today than back then. But so many people now, we want to follow someone because somehow it's going to make us rich. Somehow it's going to make us famous. Somehow we can get pulled along. And that wasn't the case with following Jesus Christ. There was a uniqueness about him, something that compelled people to follow him. The Bible says he spoke with authority. His passionate, bold message gripped people across socioeconomic lines. He broke down those lines, those, those geographic lines that somehow separate so many people. Like, oh, uh, this group follows this person, that group will follow here, and this group will follow over here. Jesus somehow could break down those socioeconomic and, 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 and lines, geographic lines. People would follow him. They were moved by his passion. They would listen to him for hours at a time, captivated often enduring you know, hunger and fatigue to hang on his every word. When Jesus spoke on a hill, it was covered. He'd begin to speak and soon it would be covered with people. I sometimes wonder, you know, he, he, picked, he had to pick the right spots because the amount of people that would show up, he'd have, have to project his voice out. But they would just, I, you can imagine a pin dropping because it's like, shh, I can't hear him. Give it down, you know. When he, when he spoke from a mountaintop, he covered the mountain. When he spoke in someone's house, they'd pour out into the streets. When, when he'd speak on a beach, they would force him to, to flee into the boat because that was the only place he could stand where everybody else was taking up all the room on the beach. No matter where he would speak, he would draw that crap. People would follow. People wanted to see what he was going to say next, what he was going to do next. The uniqueness of who he was. The way he drew people in. And not just because of he, that he was a dynamic speaker. Because of the man that he was. He attracted followers of all ages from all different backgrounds. And, and Jesus chose, chose to walk this earth at a time where we didn't have all this, this communication, this technology at, our, at his disposal. He chose to walk the earth 2,000 years ago, not now. And you might be wondering, why would he do that? 
If he's God and he could choose to come at any point that he wanted, why wouldn't he come now when he would have access to all of this incredible new technology that we have today? Man, he could be, I mean, you think about it, the tweet, he would go, he would go viral on so many things that he would say. Why not do it now instead of then? I believe, I believe, just, just a thought, I believe one of the reasons is that he preferred to see, touch, and hear the people to whom he ministered to. He wanted to see him. He wanted to, he wanted to, to touch them. He wanted to engage. You know, it's, it's funny. We sometimes, as a culture, we think that we're communicating when we're really not. You know, you, you can't really get to know what a person's feeling. You can't really understand what a person is trying to express if you do it this way. And there's nothing wrong with, with tweeting something or encouraging someone by, by using your, your, your cell phone or your, your iPad or whatever else. Nothing wrong with that. But you, you miss something in the translation, let me tell you, just as a pastor. How many times have you looked you, you, with a friend and you said, how you doing? And the friend just kind of says, I'm fine. And you look in their eyes and they're, they're, they're saying, I'm fine. They could even put an exclamation point on it. I'm fine. But you look in their eyes and you say, well, your eyes don't say, your eyes don't tell me what your voice is telling me. You don't, you don't look fine on the inside. You can tell their facial expression, their eyes. Isn't it amazing how you can read someone's eyes? They can sit there and they can tell you whatever they want with their voice, but their eyes are saying something completely different. I believe that Jesus was, I don't believe this, I know that Jesus was the kind of man who looked deeply into people's eyes. And being God, he knew exactly what they were feeling, exactly what they were going through. I think that's one of the reasons that Jesus didn't need to come during this age of this incredible technology. Jesus could send his message through the love that he had for others. As far as we know, he wasn't a writer. He didn't do a lot of writing, you know, just well, write it all down and everything. He passed on the truth. He passed on his truth by loving his followers. And, and his followers became the vessel for his message. He invested his lives in other people. It's a lost art. It really is. Where we take the time to invest our lives in other people. And those people become the vessel to carry the message forward. Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You can follow Paul's example because he was there with them. He could touch them. They could engage and interact with him. They understood his heart and they took his heart and his words and his message forward. And that's what happened with Jesus. He loved people to the point where they became his vessels to take his message forward. I think in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, Paul says it so well. If you have your pen, write this verse down. It's so, it's so good. It says, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. That's amazing. See, that's the way Jesus sent out his message. That's the way he posted a message. He posted a message on people's hearts. He posted a message on people's lives. 
They received it and they spread that message. Now, I can only speak for myself, but I think technology, when it comes to ministry, has a lot of good points and and a lot of bad points. The good thing about it is you can stay connected to people all the time. The bad thing about it is you can stay connected to people all the time. Right? 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 I mean, it's true. It's true. That's the, and it's great, it's great that we can stay connected to each other. But it's also not so great because one of the things that, that Jesus taught us and we're supposed to follow his example is that there is a time to unplug. There is a time to unplug. To, and I think that's the best word to use, unplug. To get away, to just get away from all your, 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 your gadgets and gizmos or whatever else and unplug because you need the time to rest and reflect to pray and to reflect. We all need that time. I'm telling you, we, we are, the, our culture is becoming so stressed. And one of the reasons that we're so stressed is we don't get that time to unplug. We don't get that time to step back. We need the time to recharge our batteries, to shut down, if you will. I'm not, I'm not computer savvy or tech savvy at all, Okay. Um, I can I can function as people show me how to function, but I'm not very tech savvy at all. And I was told by someone who is, they said, you ever shut your computer down? I said, well, no, I just kind of close it. You know, I don't turn it off, you know, because I wouldn't have to turn it back on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I just I just, you know, close it. And they said, no, it's important that you sometimes you shut it down and allow it to reboot and all that kind of stuff. I don't know why, but that's important. And it's, it's extremely important for us that we shut down and get a chance to reboot because if you don't shut down, you constantly have that, that, that incoming messages, incoming messages. Jesus taught us to balance our lives and to do that. We need to be still. We need to be still. We need to rest from the constant flow of endless and often mindless information that we receive. I was reading an article on the way to this conference in Entrepreneur Magazine, and it said this, without realizing it, most of us are living a life of reactionary workflow. We are constantly being bombarded with communication, emails, text. Uh, uh, tweets, Facebook posts, cell phone calls, instant messages. And instead of using, listen to this, instead of using our energy in a proactive way, we spend it reacting, living at the mercy of the latest bit of incoming information. Some of the most productive people I've ever met scheduled windows of non-stimulation into their days. The most productive people, they have to schedule non-stimulating times. We are being stimulated in our minds all the time, constantly. We have our cell phone next to our bed, just in case, right? Some people can't break away from, what's, what did someone write? What did someone say? What did, you know, it just pulls in. We just need to, and it's not wrong, again, I, it is not wrong to sit down and check out your Facebook posts. It is not wrong, your messages. It's not wrong to tweet something. It's not wrong to get a cell phone call. It's not wrong to use a computer. I'm just saying Jesus taught us how to balance. And Jesus took his disciples sometimes and said, enough is enough. Here's the thing. People were still suffering. People still needed prayer. People still needed something from Jesus. And guess what? He went to bed. He got off into the desert. He got off to a mountainside. He got into a boat. He took off and he, he got away and unplugged 
and allowed his body the time to, to reflect and to pray. He, he wanted to spend that time with God. You ask, what is God's will for my life? Well, you will never know it. You'll never know it if you don't unplug. If you don't take the time to unplug, you will never, never know it. He attracted my followers of all ages because he understood what it meant to balance his life. Now, now remember I said balance, and I'm not talking about being negative here. It's not a, it, the technology is not bad. Now, if you think about it, if Jesus were walking here today, if, if he were alive today, I, I believe in this world of faces that are, that are hidden behind uh, computer screens for hours and hours upon a day or people whose, whose ears are stuck to, stuck to cell phones, I believe the same principles that made him a magnet in his world to other people would make him a powerful, engaging online presence. I really believe that because of who he was, because of the man that he was, because of the way he lived his life. I think he would, I think he would have a massive following on Twitter. I really do. I think he would be one of the most followed people in the world today. In fact, in fact if, if he chose to use Twitter, I think he would be a perfect Twitter user. Is that the best way to say it? Is there a better way to say it? A tweeter? He'd be an amazing tweeter, okay? He really would. He really would, if he chose to use that technology. Now, if we go on the assumption that he would choose to use Twitter, he would choose to use all this technology, then let me spend the remainder of our time laying out and looking at a few attributes, okay, that would help him draw millions of followers. First, Jesus would be creative. He would be creative and, 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 and simple. He would have a creative and simple message. Jesus Christ, I believe, would have a very creative but very, very simple message. Most people have, a, or I would say a lot of people, have a very difficult time communicating what they would like to, their thoughts or ideas in, in, in 140-word characters, it, taking up just 140 words like a tweet. So a lot of people have pro- a problem with that, trying to get a, a single thought out or trying to get a thought out by using 140 characters is very difficult for a lot of people. But Jesus was the master at simplifying spiritual truth and putting it in, in, in a way that people could understand, like parables. He, he was able to do that in, 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 a, in a profound way. I, I, really, I really believe that Jesus never, he really never miss, miss, missed words or, or uh, wasted words. Ravi Zacharias, who I, I think I mentioned earlier, is one of the people I really appreciate. And I always said from I was younger, he was teaching at the seminary when I was in, at Nyack, and uh, he was at the seminary when I was in college. And Ravi Zacharias, I said, never wasted a word. That's one thing about the man. He somehow, every word that ever, has ever come out of his mouth when I was listening to him, maybe it's just me because I enjoy listening to him, but he never wastes a word. It's very clear. It's very, very concise. It's very direct and to the point. He would have, Jesus would have no trouble with Twitter whatsoever. Whatsoever. He'd say something in 140 words and you'd be profoundly moved. That would not be one of his problems. I, I think he would have a ton of followers because of whether you liked him or whether you hated him, you could not ignore him. 
That's the man he was. Like him or hated him, you can never ignore him. Whether you was one of his followers and you thought he was the most amazing things in sliced bread, or you were a Pharisee or Sadducee and you couldn't stand every word that came out of his mouth because it somehow affected you. Like him or hate him, you couldn't ignore him. He would have people following him all the time just to be able to say, what did he say today? Can we, can we use that against him? Can we effectively use that against him? But boy, I'll tell you right now, they would be following him. Not like, uh, not like, unlike today, getting noticed is the first step in getting a lot of people to follow you. And again, Jesus would have absolutely no problem getting noticed. He captured people's attention, if not their imagination. Can you imagine, can you just imagine Jesus walking the earth today? And you'd be, I think, I think you would have your, you, you have it strapped to your face. You have a little, little thing just hanging on there right in front of your face to see what he was going to say next. You'd be hanging on his every word. He could capture the imagination. And we need to follow his lead. We need to become more like him in, his, in the way he lived his life, in the way we live our lives. As his followers, we need to think about, think about what we post and what we tweet. And it, and, and it doesn't matter. If you don't post or tweet, it doesn't matter. You need to think about how you communicate to other people. What do your words say? How are you communicating to the people around you? Are you communicating in such a way that it honors Jesus Christ, that it follows his leads? We need to ask ourselves, do our words send a clear message that enhance those around us? Do our words encourage? Do they build up? Do they inspire? Do they motivate? Do our words heal? Are they bold and unafraid? I mean, Jesus was bold and unafraid, but his words were healing. They were encouraging. They moved people to some kind of action. Whether you liked him or not, you couldn't be around him and not be moved by what he said because of the deep honesty with which he said it. He was an honest, forthright person. When we post or tweet, what are we encouraging people to do? When you, when you communicate something to someone, I don't care what style of communication, when you communicate as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, what are you con- encouraging them to do? How are you encouraging them to live? Are you drawing them closer to Christ in what you're communicating? Or are you pushing them further away from Christ? Okay, second, Jesus would be relevant and selfless. I'm almost getting sick of the word relevant but I'm going to use it this morning because I want to help you understand what, from, I, I believe, from Christ's perspective, from a biblical perspective, how Christ would, would, would be, was then and would be now relevant. Relevant and selfless. I'm going, to put the, I'm going to marry those two things together just for a moment. Relevant and selfless. Part of the reason people are not interested in what we have to say online on the Internet is that we're constantly talking about ourselves. Or we're parroting what someone else is saying. We take someone else's words and we just parrot what the culture is saying, what someone else is saying. We don't make it relevant to the person who's listening because we're talking about ourselves 99% of the time or, or just communicating what someone else is saying about themselves. Twitter, is I, I, like, like the, the Internet in general, is really about sharing. It's about sharing. I, and I totally understand that. And there's nothing wrong 
I was teasing a couple weeks ago, and I said, oh, who cares what kind of beans you buy at the store? You know what I mean? But, you know, I, I had a long uh, Facebook conversation with someone who bought beans in, in Kroger, uh, and it was fun, actually. We were kind of going back and forth. He, was, he, he posted, hey, Jeff, I went and bought some beans just to bug me. And so we had a, you know, I asked him what kind, and we got into a deep conversation about beans. It was great. And so it's okay to, t- to just say, hey, uh, I, know, I, know, I know some people are really savvy with the technology, and they'll see some really funny sign or some really funny person, which is not nice, and they'll take a quick picture or something, and they'll just they'll have a, not, not an inside joke about a person, but they'll have, a friend group will have an inside joke about something they saw, and so they'll take a picture of a sign that says something, and they'll, they'll send that sign to their friend with a little thing underneath it. Now, that's not going to change the history of the world, but you know what? There's nothing wrong with it also. I'm sure Jesus was an amazing teller of jokes. I mean, the guy was probably one of the best comedians in the world has ever seen because he knows exactly what would make you all laugh. And sitting around a fire, I'm sure he could tell an amazing joke because he's God. He could read into what your humor was, whether it was dry humor or you're just a slapstick kind of guy. And getting you alone and walking together, I'm sure he had all kinds of enjoyable things he would do that didn't have a, uh, maybe from our perspective, a profound effect on, you know, but it was part of who he was. So yes, we can talk about things that don't have a profound impact on everyday life. It's just relationship building. But we have to be careful that we we buffer that, we balance that with not talking about ourselves all the time. It's kind of it's kind of like your own TV show, your own your own platform show. This new technology, everyone has their 15 minutes of fame type of deal. But that's not the way Jesus lived. And again, balance it. I'm not saying it's wrong to share that you went to Kroger and and got a can of beans. Totally fine. But I'm saying balance it with, with information that, what, what, that Jesus would most likely post, that Jesus would tweet, that how it would have an impact on someone else, be relevant to their lives. Followers will run from what they perceive as, as basically self-promoting. People are always talking about themselves or, you know, they ask you to, to check out this that really has no relevance to your life whatsoever. It doesn't, it's not helpful. It's not meaningful. It somehow maybe helps the person who wants you to click on it to, to do something for themselves. After a while, you're not going to get a lot of people to follow you if you're only thinking about it yourself. And it doesn't only come from online. It comes from offline. If a leader is only talking about themselves, they, the followers will soon realize this person is really self-promoting and they're really selfish and I don't really want to follow someone who thinks only about themselves. Jesus never had to chase after followers. He didn't have a problem with followers. He didn't have to beg for followers because he was worth following. He was worth listening to. He didn't talk about himself endlessly. He only, he only gave testimony when someone asked him. And here's the cool thing as well. He knew it was in people's hearts when he spoke, when he was speaking the truth, the gospel. He was speaking into people's hearts. He knew what they needed to hear. And so when they asked about him, he'd talk about himself. He would share, he would share, he would share things about himself. He would share himself with others completely. And it wasn't a self-promoting, selfish kind of thing. Hey, everyone, follow me. Watch this. I can heal someone. Woohoo! You like that? You like that? Give me some applause. That's not what he did. 
He did it because he healed the blind person because he saw the felt need of the blind person and healed them. Other people saw that and said, holy mackerel, did you check that out? That was amazing. He even told people sometimes, don't tell anyone I did this, okay? It's not the time to tell anyone. What did they do? Hey, guess what I can see? You know what I mean? He couldn't stop that. But it wasn't about, hey, watch me, watch me, watch me. It was about how can I help and invest in the lives of other people? Everything he said affected, listen to this, listen to me. Everything the man said affected the eternal destiny of everyone within earshot. You don't get any more relevant than that. And then we have to ask ourselves, I have to ask myself the question, Jeff Greer, what difference does what you post make or what you just Twittered make or what you whatever make five minutes after the person reads it. What difference does it make ten minutes after it's read? We're talking about Jesus speaking and changing the eternal destiny of everyone within an earshot. And then I have to ask myself the question, now I'm not going to change. Well, you know what? I take that back. Am I saying things on online? Am I saying things uh, through Facebook? Am I saying things through Twitter? Am I just saying things, whether I don't have a computer, that is changing the eternal destiny of the people around me? If you're sharing the gospel, if you're sharing the love of Jesus Christ, you can lead a person, you can lead a person, they can follow you to the throne of God, and you can change a person's eternal destiny, and that's what Jesus would do. What we, what, what, what we share, what we blog, what we Facebook, what we tweet, what we say, all has meaning. And John tells us, in the Bible, John tells us that Jesus knew what was in a man. He knew what was going on in people's hearts. If we want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the point. If we want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then we need to get to know people beyond a 140-word character tweet or a Facebook post. Our, this is, here's the bad part about this, this kind of technology and communication. It's so surface. It is so surface. 140 characters. How can I tell you what's... And Hear my point, okay? How can I tell you how I'm truly feeling in 140... Not 140 words, 140 characters. How can I truly tell you what I'm feeling on my Facebook post? How can I truly tell you even what I'm feeling in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an email? We need to get to know people beyond those things to the depth. We need to understand why they're feeling what they're feeling. Why is someone in pain? Why, what makes them smile? What is the most effective way for me to communicate to them in such a way that I'll have the greatest impact on their lives? In order for me to have an impact on your life, I need to really get to know you deeper, a little deeper. I need to hear what's going on in your heart. You know, people share that we've been standing out here after first service, someone sharing with me something that's going on and their eyes welling up with tears. And if someone says to me, hey, you know, hey, can you give me a call this week? And I'll, I'll, and I'll try. If I, don't do that on Sunday morning because I just forget. It's so hard. Just tweet me or text me or something and like, you know, help me out here. But when someone looks me right in the face and the tears are in their eyes, I, say, I reach out and say to them, we need to get together soon. Call me. We need to get together really soon. If you need me for anything, I want you to give me a ring. Give me a call. Because I see it in their face. 
We need to get deeper in people's lives and understand what they're going through so we can pray for them, so we can encourage them. Jesus knew what was in a man. He understood the felt needs, the deep spiritual needs of what was going on in the people around him because he was God. And he could see it. We need to, we need to do the best that we can to see it and touch it and, 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 and hear it as well. Hear what they're saying Go beyond the words and hear what people are trying to say. You become relevant to others when you, when you have something or you do something and you offer them something that is meaningful. And that, comes, that knowledge comes from a selfless attitude, from a selfless life. Here's what I want you to do as homework this week. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do one thing for someone this week that positively impacts their lives. Okay? Write that down if you have a pen. I'm going to do one thing this week that positively impacts someone else's life. And if you have your cell phone, I want you to take your cell phone out. Okay, take it out. Take it out. Actually, turn it on. You can turn it on in the service. Take your cell phone out and turn it on. Because here's, here's just a practical way that you can use technology to impact the lives of other people. And this is the kind of mindset that we need to start using. This is the kind of, if, 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 if one of the apostles was up here and he knew about this technology, this is the kind of things they would probably do in church all the time. Okay, everybody get your cell phone out. And here, here's what I would like you to do. I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I wrote some, some thoughts down here of something. I want you to text someone something that encur- some, in a way that encourages them, okay? So we're talking about how to, how to impact people's lives, how to get deeper in people's lives, how to just build people up. You could write this, and I'll say it a couple of times. I'm sitting here in church, and our pastor asked us to send an uplifting text to someone, and you're the first person that came to my mind. So I'm sitting here in church. And our pastor asked us to, to text someone something uplifting, and you're the first person who came to my mind. So you kind of write that in your, in your, uh, your text. Sitting here in church, and pastor asked us to send an uplifting text to someone, and you're the first person that, that came to, m- to my thoughts. First person I thought about was you, however you want to put it. You know, you're the first person I thought about when he said that was you. That starts off, man, the person just thinks, wow. That's neat. You're in church. You're sitting here. And you could, do, you could say something like this. I want to let you know that I'm praying for you. And then maybe a little quick. Now, if, you're, if, you're like, if you're like some people, they're like still waiting. They're like, come on, come on, come on. What else? What else? Because they're like talking like this. And I'm more like this. <laughs> but see, now I've, now I've got the new iPhone, whatever it is, and I can just push that little, that little mic button and start talking. And I talk fast, too, so I can say a lot. And, you know, it's great. You've got to watch that, though, because sometimes it doesn't get your every word. It kind of messes words up, and you can send something really, you know... No one likes you in the church or something like that. You know, it picks up the wrong thing. So you've got you to be careful. Make sure you read it. Just don't say it and send it out. Um, so say something like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I just want to pray for you today. Or I want to let you know that what, I want to let you know what a positive influence you have been in my life. Just so you say that and, and then maybe you text something right now. Right now, do it. I want to let you know what a positive influence you've been in my life. That's another thing you can say. Or the last one is I, wa- I want to thank you for... And then whatever you want to thank him for. Thank you for being such a good friend to me. Thank you for walking me through some of the most difficult times of my life. You know, when I think of a dear friend, I think of you. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a minute to do that.
you have something better you think you could tweet, that's great. Just make it uplifting, encouraging. Let them know you're sitting here in church and be amazed you're allowed to tweet in your church that's the, or, or you're allowed to text in your church. If you don't have yourself on, you know what? Still, I want you to go home today, if you could, and just say something or do something positive, Christ-like for someone around you. All right, third. Jesus would create controversy and curiosity. Jesus would create controversy and curiosity. You ever notice in the Bible, it constantly, in John chapter 10, verse 31, and and other places throughout Scripture, it says, and the Jews picked up stones to stone him. And you're like, why would they they want to stone the poor guy? You just, you know, they picked up stones to stone him because he was constantly creating controversy. You know, people love, people in the world, the culture, love to paint Jesus as this this figure that would never say anything to bother or affect it. He would never be this. He would never be that. Why don't you be more like Jesus? Oh, my goodness. I would love someone to say that to me, especially if I ever got on like a television show. Why don't you be like more like Jesus? Really? Can I really be more like Jesus on your show? Here we go. Jesus was constantly creating controversy with what he said. Because he said whatever he wanted to say. He said that he told the truth and he didn't care if you didn't like it. He was constantly doing that. He was constantly rocking the boat. He was constantly going against the flow, running upstream. That was the life of Jesus. See, dynamic or popular online figures don't always get that way because they're tech-savvy or they follow the crowd. As a matter of fact, they usually don't follow the crowd. That's why people want to hear what they have to say. They do things, they say things that have an effect on other people's real lives. If you want to, if you want to be one of his followers, truly... You need to do things. We need to start doing things if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ that attract attention in a good way. Think about this. You really want to have an impact on your community. You really want to have an impact on your school. You need to do things that are going to attract attention. Things that will create a buzz in a good way where people can't help but not go, wow, that's incredible. You're kidding. You guys are doing that? I never heard anything like this or I've never heard anything like that. Tell me more about this. You create a buzz in your community. You create a buzz in your school. We need to make such a positive impact on our community that they cannot ignore. Ignore it. We need to do things that cannot be ignored. And my friends, to be really honest with you, we are doing things right now that cannot be ignored. That if you brought up at work or you brought up at school or you brought up in wherever, people would want to talk to you about it. What kind of church do you know? I know of three within the United States, pretty much, that are doing the things that we're doing, even with business tree. The idea of starting a a church, starting a company that then takes the resources from that company and invests in developing nations to help fund initiatives like education and health care. I mean, these are people at work at P&G would go, wait, 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 you're you're using you're started a business. Let me get this right. Your church started a business that then 
run, they run these businesses and then they use the money to invest in businesses in third world countries that help out with education and healthcare. What kind of businesses do you have? Well, we have a well drilling rig. We've drilled over 120 wells, servicing over 100,000 people, saving this many lives. And the girls don't get, you know, abused, if you will, on being nice when they go to find the water. And, and people don't get, uh, you know, cholera. For the first time in the, in the history of the, of the village, these diseases, these waterborne diseases didn't come through and wipe out people. People literally would die year after year, but now they're not dying in these villages because they're not dying of waterborne diseases. Well, what else are you doing? Well, we have a bridal shop and we have a, uh, we have a, uh, a chicken farm and we do um, aquaponics and we do dry season farming and we do this and we're doing some of these and you start laying these things out and the business person at Procter & Gamble or GE or your private business or wherever, wherever you work will say, wow, that's interesting. Do you need someone that, that could help you with this? What they like to do. They don't even have to be a believer to get them engaged and involved. I went to this conference and Chuck and I spoke at the main session. Then we spoke in a seminar. And in the seminar, we had more time to lay out some of the things that some of a very small amount of the things that we're doing through at work on purpose and self-sustaining enterprises and Grace Chapel and back-to-back ministries. And at, by the end of this, and we weren't dragging on people's emotions, we were talking about marketplace ministry types of things and how we're doing that, how a church can embrace that. People were coming up afterward crying. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you crying? I didn't tell you a story about some poor orphan kid or whatever else. I was telling stories about the kind of creative things that we're doing, but they so desperately want to do that within their churches, but they're not able to because their churches won't open themselves up. These people from all over the world, from Japan, from China, from Australia, you name it, there are people at this conference and they want to take these ideas. These are ideas that would shake the community, but but their voices, the voices need to be talking about them. We need to be out in our community talking about these things. And if you have, think about Twitter and Facebook, how things go viral. We need to get people thinking and excited, communicating some of the things that are going on that God is doing within your lives. You're the ones who are doing this. You're the ones who are making this happen. We need to be communicating this in a way that will, that will, 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 will multiply. I mean, think about the extreme behavior that Jesus had. Jesus raised people from the dead. Jesus healed the blind. Jesus would walk into the temple and turn tables over. You don't think this was attracting attention? He could attract attention by his boldness. By the way, he stepped out. He did what God called him to do. He used the gifts, the gifts that God called, that God had given him. Jesus used all those gifts. And then he turns around and says, greater things that, that you will do when I'm gone. You will do greater things than these. You will do, you, the church, will do greater things than I have done when I am no longer here. Do you understand that? That's what he said. And we sit back and go, gee, oh, maybe we can, I wonder if we would ever be able to, gee, I wonder how, why, why do we think that way? We need to be thinking in a bold, get out there, make a difference, create controversy, get people thinking, be, you know, be creative in our thought process. That's the way we need to think. Why do we have an aquaponicism in one of our children's classrooms? Because it gets our children's imaginations. It inspires their imagination. It gets them talking to their friends. Hey, in our church, we have this, and this is what it does, and this is what the fish do, and this is what the plants do. And the kid says, why would you do that? Because it helps feed people around the world, and blah, 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 blah. Creativity. 
Jesus drew people in by the way he lived his life. Last, fourth, Jesus would inspire people to follow. By the way, and I'm gonna, it just feeds right in. By the way he lived his life. By the way he lived. Listen to me. Our culture is hungry. They are starving for leadership. They are starving for someone to lead, for someone who's willing to tell it like it is, someone willing to go against the flow, to speak the truth and not care at all what you think. That's what they're looking for. They're dying to speak their minds. They want to open up and speak their minds and say what they're thinking, but you can't because we have so boxed ourselves in with with being politically correct. Jesus was politically incorrect all the time. They picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because he was constantly saying things that went against the religious flow, that went against the social flow. Jesus Christ said what he wanted to say. He'd be politically incorrect. He didn't care about political correctness. He didn't care what you thought. He only told the truth. He told the truth. And people followed him. They would follow him, not because they always agreed with him. They would follow him today, not because they always, always agreed with him, but they couldn't, they couldn't ignore the fact that he was a man of integrity. They couldn't help but respect him for being a leader. I don't disagree with, agree with everything the man says, but I'll tell you this. He, he sticks, he holds to it. He's a leader. He'll say what's on his mind and he will tell the truth. He will tell the truth. Now as then, Jesus commands his followers not only, not only to kind of follow, if you will, but to follow him in doing what he was doing, to do what he calls us to do. What would Jesus tweet? What would Jesus say? My friends, he'd say the exact same thing he has always said, and he would call us to follow after him, to live the life that he's laid out for us to live. Follow my example, Paul says, as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. He would tweet, he would speak, he would say the same thing he's always said to us, and he would challenge us to live it out in our lives as individuals and as a church. We need to start living with his passion and his purpose. We need to be like him. This isn't about coming to church on a Sunday, sitting in a chair. It's a little more comfortable and kind of hearing someone say something. You know, maybe you clap your hands, maybe you don't sing some songs, and you go home and feel, well, I made it to church. What this is all about is being a follower, a follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and a follower of someone does what that person does, lives the way that person lived. That's what it's all about. I, for one, I'm 50 years old. I got about 30 or so probably real. My father's 76 years old. He's still going. He's still going. So I figure I'll still be going at 76 or whatever. And I want to I live every day of those years, 30, 40, whatever years I have left on this planet. I want to live them with his passion, with his purpose, following after him and not caring what anybody else thinks about what I'm doing because I'm following after my leader. I am following the leader. We need to give of ourselves in such a way that our community cannot ignore it and love in such a way that we draw other people, that we influence other people to follow, not us, him, to follow him. We need to live our lives that way. We, this is our time, my friends. 
This is our time. This is our time as a church. I'm going to, this next series, I guarantee you, I guarantee you this next series will absolutely change your life. If you truly apply what we're going to be talking about, it'll change your life. It will impact not only your life, but the life of this community, the life of this nation, and the life and the people all around this world. We are a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. And I'm going to show you and I'm going to tell you how we're going to do that, how we can do that. This is our time to dream beyond our limitations to live in such a way that we honor God, that we think beyond boundaries, that we, that we truly believe as a church, not just I believe it or other staff believes it, but that you believe that we can make a difference in the world. I mean, I'm not kidding you here. Let's see, these are not just words. We have been over the last 12 years making a difference in the world. We're not the biggest church in this. We're not the biggest church probably in this town. But the impact that we've made on this world is, is nothing short of amazing. And you haven't seen anything yet, because if we just open up our minds, if we open up our hearts, if we just believe that God can use us to impact our church, to impact our community, to impact our nation and impact our world, then we're going to do it. Greater things will we do than he has done because we have the Holy Spirit living in us and because we have Jesus as our God. But we need to believe that. You need to start living out your true identity. It's as simple as that. You need to start living out your your true identity. And that is that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. We can change the course of history not just this body, but together as believers, we can change people's lives if we just believe that we are his followers and that he can use us. Father God, thank you. Thank you for that. Father God, thank you for that. We praise you, dear God, for being a God who wants to use us who wants to use us in a powerful way. God, thank you. Thank you for bringing us together as a church for the past 12 years. Father, we look forward to what you're going to do over the next 12 and 50. God, we, th- we thank you. We praise you.